podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Alston, sitting down with Keith Myers. We're here to talk about the game, give some uh, sort of reaction to the Seahawks victory against the visiting Arizona Cardinals. Seahawks stand three and three now, uh, tied for first place in the uh, NFC West, Keith. And uh, lots to talk about. Fun game, entertaining game, frustrating game. But in the end, Seahawks prevailed almost easily, really. I actually didn't think it was that frustrating of a game. Um, I mean, 19 points, you'd like to see them uh, do better, do a better job of, of getting um, ending drives in the end zone. But overall, I mean, the Seahawks looked like the better team throughout the game. No doubt. And, I, and there that's, was... that's why I was kind of a little frustrated because I thought maybe they could have move the ball a little bit better. Uh, the offensive line could have protected slightly better. Gino could have gotten the ball out a little better, not taken some of those sacks. And um, But overall, I don't have very many things to complain about in this game. We came away with the victory, 19 points. Um, our defense only really allowed three points. Only three, because um, the other six came on a, what was essentially, uh, it was going to be a blocked punt. Um and yeah. so he yeah. pulled the ball, uh, Michael Dixon pulled the ball down and got tackled. And as he was getting tackled, he dropped the ball and was recovered for a touchdown. So the defense only gave up three points. and Which is remarkable considering they were the worst defense in the league coming in. So, Yeah, second only to the Detroit Lions. You know, and <laughs> I will say this, um, Arizona – was in an interesting spot came in at two and three as well um could have gone in a different direction had they come in and been competent on offense at all um but it it clearly shows that they're the worst offense in the division easily and um they're gonna have a hard time winning games this year but their their defense is kind of middling as well um and i thought we could have executed a little bit better and put up some more points on them and maybe in the second game uh, down in the desert, they will have a chance to, to kind of do that. And we'll see. Uh, but well, but overall, time, Keith, by man, then, because it's, it's only three weeks from now. Um, they've they got a players again. coming back. But yeah, they're getting New Hopkins back, which is going to be a huge lift uh, because they desperately need another weapon on the outside. I just don't think one person, one guy is going to make that much difference. Well, and we'll they're see. also. They also should be getting, you know, some of their uh, their running backs back. back. And so, I mean, because they're they're playing guys off the street uh, at running back, and it's just, you could tell it wasn't working. And, you know, in the passing game, they've got one one wide receiver of note, and then Zach Ertz at tight end. Uh, There's just not enough there for them to, to create a realistic offense. And so... 
um, yeah, they do need guys back, or this this team's going uh, downhill in a hurry. Yeah, I think you know they um, CX did allow 315 total yards. 133 of those yards came in the first uh, two possessions by Arizona, including a 65 yard run by Kyler Murray. Other than that, you know they that that added to their 144 yards total uh, in the run game. But if you subs, uh, take out the Kyler Murray run, it was really an anemic uh, offense all around. I think mm-hmm. they you know, they converted one out of ten uh, third down. Uh, tries and um, basically didn't pick up a first down in their last 10, 10 possessions. So it was a real struggle for them. And it's yeah, hats it's... off to our defense, really. I mean, mm-hmm. finally we saw the defense kind of come alive, Keith. They had a uh, having six sacks against Kyler Murray, which is not an easy thing to do. No, because uh, he's but, super elusive. Yeah, and he's only had six sacks against him, I think, one other time in his career, so. Um, this is a pretty special game, really. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a complete game. I mean, while I can say that the Seahawks struggled a little bit on offense, they also ran the ball, I thought, very effectively. Gino ran the ball when he needed to run the ball. I thought that he played better than maybe some people think he played. I think he did what he he could do, given the pressure that he was under uh, from our offensive line uh, issues. And Ken Walker, I mean... Uh, essentially his starting debut uh, for the Seahawks and just really uh, played well, I thought, and had some some great runs, including one where I thought he was going to be pinned down early and just eluded like five or six tackles to pick up over 30 yards on a, on a run that was, that was pretty stellar. Yeah. <clears throat> I would have liked um, to see him get three more yards and get his first 100-yard game uh, just – because you got to you get to ninety seven, and um, he just mm-hmm. kind of felt like he he deserved to have that marker, uh, you know, because that's one of those things that they keep track of. So uh, I'd like to see him have, have getting that, that heat. I mean, he averaged four point six yards per carry, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Gino had forty eight yards uh, there um, as well, and and you end up with one hundred and thirty six rushing yards for a team that you know needs to run the ball in order for the offense to do well. Yeah. No, I thought they did great. And then uh, D. Eskridge came in with uh, three catches. I thought D. Eskridge looked good, too, eluding a couple of tackles and gaining uh, some extra yards after catch, which was nice to see from him because that's kind of what we want him to be able to do. I hope they have more opportunities for him in the future. He looks like he could be a player that that could make a difference. Noah Fant played well, I thought. Didn't yep. pick up a ton of yards, but caught everything that was thrown his way, basically. Six receptions for 45 yards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did Med- you think of the offensive line in this game? I thought the offensive line struggled at times. Um, interior, the offensive line really was – there was a lot of push directly straight into Geno's face. Um, I thought mm-hmm. Charles Cross played all right. Um, Lucas had a couple of plays where he actually got out-muscled, got out-leveraged. Yeah, that was interesting. And that's like the first time it's happened all year, including the preseason. So um, that was interesting, and, you know it happens and we'll see how, you know, what happens going forward. This Mm -hmm. is one of the things with rookie, um, especially when you have two rookie tackles is they're going to be up and down. They're not going to be that like, but it didn't cost us a game pillar of consistency. Yeah. And so uh, I thought the offensive line could have definitely played better. Do you know coming into this game or I think even after this game, the Seahawks ranked fifth in ESPN's pass block win rate um, in the NFL. 
considering they've got two rookie NFL tackles and, you know, an undersized uh, center. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, Geno's had plenty of time uh, on on most of his throws, which is, you know, one of the things that's led to him, you know, having a lot of success this year. Lucas is in front of him. Lucas is the 15th best offensive tackle and pass pass rush win rate in the NFL. All tackles, not just rookie. The fifteenth best overall, his rookie year. Yeah. Nice. I was actually, I I, I actually kind of expected it to be a little higher, but after this last week, Mm. that's probably about right. Yeah, and Cross is thirty second, but Mm -hmm. so that's right in the middle, um, essentially. Yeah. Um, Jackson is twentieth among offensive guards. Let's see. Uh, Lewis is 36th and Blythe is actually 14th among centers, which is a little surprising. I mean, his strength is clearly not run blocking, but pass blocking, he's, you know, he's right in the middle there. He's doing all right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you put that all together, that's a, that's a, that's a nice um, performance by the offensive line for over uh, six games so far. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Your kicker's lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession are slim. The stakes are high and the tension is higher. Your pulse racing. He kicks and you watch as the ball lands. Make every play feel this exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. In this game, it, it was a it was a struggle. I mean, you know, they got to Geno. Um, they they affected Walker behind the line of scrimmage a few different times, especially early. I thought um, they tried to run the ball early with Walker, and uh, they held him down a little bit until he had some breakout runs a little bit later on. Um, how about yeah, Tariq Woolen, Keith? The five sacks uh, against Geno. Um, some of those were not on the offensive line. True. Uh, a couple of those were on Geno, but yeah. Now you're going to mention treat. You mentioned Treek Woolen. Um, his fourth straight game with a pick. That, yeah. I mean, he, he's getting this, into elite category as far as I'm concerned. He's already there. We talked about Medcalf when he was a rookie, um, and the kind of impact that he was going to have as a pro. You could just tell he was just going to be a. A, a great pro same thing with Tariq Woolen. it's like i don't care what the competition is or whatever he's just he's special like he's mm-hmm. just different you watch him on film he's just different he's a, a great anticipation guy great um, ballsy corner as far as being able to have great ball skills turn his head around um, make plays on the ball, high point balls, uh, the length and the speed are evident on almost all of his receptions, really, and just outstanding. I mean, I'm so thrilled. I can't even believe he's this player 
you know, six games into his NFL career. I just, yeah, this quickly. Yeah. It's, it's, it is weird to think how quickly he has ascended into uh, being um, a top 10 quarterback corner in the NFL. Yeah. And, and, and going forward from there. He um, leads the NFL in interceptions right now with four. As well as quarterback rating when targeted. And yeah, and yeah, add into that his two fumble recoveries. Um, okay, mm-hmm. wait, let's Kobe Bryant is starting <laughs> right? to really right. He struggled like crazy in the first few games. Yeah. He's really settled down. They He's benched him essentially for the for the third game, I think. Yeah. He he has settled down. He's playing better, and he's got that um, Peanut Tillman uh, instinct for getting after the football. Um, and he has been forcing fumbles like crazy. Um, yeah, gotta love that. So yeah, four forced fumbles, mm-hmm. which leads all players in the NFL. Yeah, um, so it's yes, quite it a duo is. back there that we've got. Yep, one one leads the NFL in forced fumbles, and the other one leads the NFL in uh, interceptions. Trey Brown's coming back soon. You God, know? The, so it's when only going to get better. And and they've put they're they're so confident now in their cornerback room that they're putting Sidney Jones on the market. Read mm-hmm. today that uh, they're 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 putting him out there as far as uh, being available in a trade. Which is, I just have, I'm not, I wasn't expecting this. I mean, when you and I talked about um, what we thought was going to happen in the, uh, in the preseason, we were not expecting this cornerback room to come together until the the second half of the season. If then, oh yeah, um, you know, it was just going to be one of those weak points in the defense we, we thought the, uh, the pass rush and the linebackers were going to be pretty, pretty good. At least the starters. Um, but the secondary was just going to be a hot mess. We just had no idea we had two starters that were injured in preseason and weren't going to start the season. We're throwing this rookie out there at Tariq Woolen, who, who knows what we've got there. And, uh, it's turned out pretty well, I would say. Agreed. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, like, um, it, it's weird in that I still think that Sidney Jones is good enough to be. I mean, he was the best corner on the roster last year. Yeah. And yeah, they drafted two guys, and those two guys are, are getting a lot of playing time, and rightfully so at this point. Um, but he was still the best cornerback on the roster last year. He can't even get on the field. And I thought Mike Jackson, you know, struggled the first couple of games, along he with did. Kobe Kobe Bryant. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, this is, you know, we've got Tariq Woolen. He's great, but everyone else is kind of not, not great. Since then, things have kind of turned around a little bit. I don't know if it's the quarterbacks they're playing, the receivers they're going up against, scheme, whatever, but they're doing something right. Yeah. I mean, it it's working. Um, and, I mean, Arizona's lack of, of talent at receiver is going to make it work, um, you know, make it look like it works. But overall, it, it has been it working the last couple of games. And I think with the changes that were made up front, which we'll get to here in a minute, um, I think that there is an opportunity for this defense mm-hmm. to come together and become significantly better than they have been. It's inter- This is going to be an interesting conversation, Keith, because the last two years, the Seattle defense has essentially done almost the same thing. 
and it was with uh, Ken Norton mm -hmm. two years in a row where they started a scheme and then they tweaked it because it just wasn't working. Players were not communicating correctly. Uh, the, the kind of players that they had seemed not to fit exactly what they were trying to do. So they came back, they restructured the defense a little bit, allowed their players to be in the best position to, to make plays and, and to be successful as the kind of players that they are. Now we see it evident in this game. They made a little bit of a tweak and a change. They confirmed that a couple of players came out, Puna Ford and Quentin Jefferson said that they had made some changes up front that allowed them to essentially mm -hmm. uh, get turned loose and put pressure, uh, fill gaps and uh, work up field as opposed to read and react, which is the basis of a three, four defense. You want a one gap, um, and be responsible for, for or two gap and, and be responsible for two gaps, which essentially means you're just kind of treading water essentially yeah. for the first uh, couple seconds of, of every play, um, reading and then reacting. And that really kind of inhibits players like Quentin Jefferson, Puna Ford, who are used to kind of moving forward, disrupting pockets, timing, et cetera. And you didn't see any of that in the first four or five games. Yeah. I so mean, let's so talk about they, that a little bit, Keith. <clears throat> Yeah, so they were they were being asked to two gap, which um, you know, their the goal there is to stack the the you know the guards and keep their shoulders square and then at read the run and then shed the block into the hole where the run runs going and make make the play there. Um and they just weren't doing it well. And they're not this is a group of guys that that's not their strength. And we talked about on the show, we were like, these are guys that are four, three players trying to play a three, four, and it's not working. Right. Um, yep. So they, so they tweaked the the scheme and essentially what they did was they rotated one of the outside linebackers um, up and, uh, and treat, said, okay, you were going to act like you're a defensive end as far as gap responsibilities. And we're going to one gap um, like it's a four, three even though they've got three, four personnel out there. Um, and it, it worked. I mean, essentially what this is, is if you go back to the, to the Harbaugh days in San Francisco with that defense, that three, four defense that they had, that was really good and, and um, annoyingly efficient at getting uh, off the field and all of that. Uh, they, this is what they did. They were a strange one gap, three, four. And it worked. It was kind of unique. Um, they, which outside linebacker counts as a defensive end as far as gap assignments is entirely dependent on the offensive formation. And it's just a matter of, you know, making those things work. And um, the Seahawks making that adjustment in this game made a huge difference. I mean, Poon Ford lived in the backfield. Um, oh, he had six sacks. Yeah, against Kyler Murray, you know it's it's you know they don't have a great offensive line, but nonetheless, Kyler Murray can evade a ton of uh, oh yeah, absolutely his athleticism. You know the other thing that that uh, Pete mentioned, he said uh, he confirmed, in fact, what Puna Ford and Quentin Jefferson had said after the game um, to the media about that, um, and then. He said that was one of, of two things that we did. He didn't allude or talk about the second thing, but I kind of have an idea of what the second thing was. And it has to do with um, with the way that the linebackers were used and running uh, diamond and nickel packages out there mm -hmm. uh, like 70% of the time. 
And yeah, they, they had been running those much less. And so they yep. took um took Cody Barton off the Cody field. Cody Barton off the field like yep. 60% of the time. Yep. And they 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 ran it with a couple of different um they either ran with Kobe Bryant as the extra player or um Josh Jones got a and, chance. And to, Ryan Neal was in there too. Yeah. So they well, ran Ryan, three safeties. Ryan Neal, I think it started and got most of the snaps. He got a hundred percent of the snaps. Yeah. Um, and so, but, but as the extra player, mm-hmm. it was, um, Josh Jones getting a chance to get back on the field after yes. essentially getting benched for Ryan Neal the last couple of weeks. Um, he got a chance to come in and play as a third safety and, or sometimes they went with, with Kobe Bryant as the third, um, cornerback. Uh, and they did that one of those two more often than they were in the base defense. Cody Barton didn't play, um, a whole lot in this game. And I yeah. can't say that I'm overly sad about that yeah cody barton ended up playing 38 percent of the snaps um and i don't know how those were divided between run and pass um but uh, i would imagine most of those were pass plays that he was in, involved with it's it, so so that combination allowed seattle to be more athletic overall faster mm-hmm. play speed increased we were able to make plays we were able to be aggressive we talked about this at the beginning of the year before the season started, that that was the idea that that this defense was going to be able to generate for us was more athleticism, more team speed. We were going to go out and generate turnovers and generate plays and so forth, and we hadn't seen it translate onto the field. And maybe you talked about this 10 minutes ago. Maybe this is something that can be duplicated. Mm-hmm. I, I And, you know, I mean – Obviously, Arizona didn't prep for this. They prepped for what Seattle's defense did the first five weeks, and so that it is going to feel better um, right now than it might look next week or the week after. It also is a situation where Arizona's offensive line and weapons are pretty poor, and so that's also going to make the defense look good. So I don't want to like go in and be like, yeah, this is the, the defense has made this switch, and they're going to be good now. Um, but I do like the switch that they've made as far as scheme. Cause I think it fits the players better. Yes. Uh, and it might not be what the coaches want to run and what they, we, the team ultimately ends up in once the personnel has had a chance to get, you know, filtered through, but it it's the best fit for the personnel that are on the roster right now. And, you know, good on the coaches for making the switch. And, and I think it's, they're going to get, a lot more out of uh, the, you know, out of this defense than they had the first five weeks. It'll be interesting to see what they do against the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I think a lot mm-hmm. of people saw that Denver Bronco Charger game last night on Monday Night Football. It was kind of an ugly game, uh, but Denver's got a good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one thing about Denver: it's a it's a horrible offense, one of the worst in the league. But their defense is one of the best. And if they weren't on the field all the time, uh, I think they'd be ranked, you know, even higher. Uh, so they frustrated um, that Charger offense a bit. Um, mm-hmm. And Seattle just isn't quite there yet. And so I would imagine the Chargers are pretty excited to play the Seahawks in order to, quote unquote, get right. Um, they're sitting at four and two. Um, and Seattle's coming in at three and three. It should be a great game, but it'll be. Yeah. It'll be an interesting game for me, and I don't want to get too far ahead. We'll have another show at the end of the week um, previewing that game. But it's an interesting transition as we kind of talk about uh, what what you um, want to talk about in our midweek show. 
which is expectations. Mm -hmm. And so my expectations for this game, this game coming up, coming out of this game against the Cardinals, is now we're three and three. We're obviously not a really piss poor team this this year as far as being for a four win team yeah. or a five win team. We just don't look like a four or five win team anymore. I think that we need we probably will talk about it, uh, revising kind of our, our ideas about where we think this team might uh, be able to finish. But on the on the upside, this team's got some potential to to maybe even squeak into a wild card situation they're currently seventh in the nfl right now in the nfc as far as getting into the playoffs and the so, nfc is super weak no one and super weak the, the, that's you know, another you got to get you got to end up uh probably um with nine wins nine and eight nine wins gets you in that might get you in because uh, because there's a lot of losses happening yeah. uh, to the so nfc the i mean, need to win six of the next what 10 11 games mm-hmm that's doable. So it let's is. talk. So the the Chargers, though, I you know want to come in and, and kind of get right against the 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 Seahawks. And so I'm not so worried about the Seahawks' offense against the Chargers' defense. They have a pretty decent defense. <clears throat> they do. But our offense is is generating opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken Walker is going to continue to run. Uh, Gino seems to be able to have have found his way in the NFL and is doing what what he's doing. And he's I think he's doing a great job. The defense, though, this will be one of those things. Can the defense duplicate what they did against the Cardinals? They might not have the same level of success, six sacks, and holding down, you know, essentially holding them to three points. <clears throat> but can they can they find their footing and and go forward against a really decent offense and hold them to a reasonable amount? I think if if they do, the way our offensive plan we're going to be in a lot of games this year. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Now, I think that when you look at, if we we're talking about this, <coughs> um, Herbert's playing through a lot of pain with the, the with the the rib injury that he's got. Um, and you could tell last night, he just didn't look as comfortable. His running and throwing was not as smooth as it normally would be. He wasn't taking some of the chances as far as, you know, running with the ball that he normally would. Um, and so that's part of it. And the other part of it is they, they really miss their number one receiver. Um, and so they're, they're kind of struggling to find an identity within themselves uh, at the moment while, while everyone gets healthy and, and tries to get right. So I think that when you look at that, I think that if they're looking at Seattle as a get right game, um, you know, statistically, I can understand why why they would think that, but you have to look at this Cardinal game and say, is this going to be their get-right game? Because Seattle has the potential to get upfield and get after um, Herbert. I mean, Herbert's not a statue by any means, but mm-hmm. he's not Kyler Murray either. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were able to contain Kyler Murray and get him onto the ground. So I think that you're in a situation for – or the Chargers, or they've got a. This isn't a, an easy game for them. Like and they, I, and they better I come think, in prepared. <laughs> I think Woolen's got an opportunity to get another pick in this game. God, I hope so. You know the way that uh, that would be that, a, that would be a franchise slings, record. Slings the ball around, you know, takes chances, throws over the top. Um, I think Woolen's got an opportunity to bait um, Herbert. <laughs> 
and to throw in some some contested throws. I you know it's just one of those things. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, we're getting a little ahead. So, <clears throat> talk to me a little bit about this whole punter situation that the Seahawks have this year. Like, what's happening on special teams that's causing so much chaos with that unit this year? They're not blocking. Um, guys are releasing downfield too quickly. You got to block first and then release. Do we have? Do we have to? Do we have to talk about the long snapper? I don't think that's the problem. Because uh, that I, rush came straight up the middle, didn't didn't it? Yes, but that's usually not the long snapper's job. The long snapper snaps the ball, gets it to the person, and then they 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 should be one of the first people in the line running downfield. Um, you have the two guys next to him and the two. Um, you know, safety valves up backs right behind, you know, behind the line, but in front of the punter that are there to, you know, pick up guys. Um, Those are the guys that you need to, to look at and find out what's going on. Because uh, when, with the whole situation in this game, like um, Dixon didn't punt the ball because the guy was in his grill. He was, it would have been blocked. He would have punted it into someone's stomach not even into their hands like that's how far up they were so right. he tried he tried to pull the ball back and just eat it take the sack um you know take the safety but you know screwed that up brought it brought it down a little late and ended up dropping the ball um during the tackle and that's unfortunate but it didn't cost the team uh much in terms of um you know within the game or anything so but honestly like what else do you expect Dixon to do in that situation Agreed. Uh, agreed. It's not his problem necessarily. I mean, the the one where he pulled it down and decided he was going to take off and run, that, that kind of came out this last week. Uh, that was a previous game that he kind of made that decision on his own, which I find remarkable. I think that he was probably taking, taking one for the team there um, as far as Mm-hmm. saying that it was his his deal that thing just does not happen i mean he well no you don't just suddenly do that um no it's one of those things where he's being told hey if you see this where everybody releases and and goes back to block and there's no one in front of you do it just try it um and so he's being told you know that and that's what he thought he saw and so it was his decision to pull it down and run, but it wasn't, he wasn't completely going rogue. He was told, Hey, if you see this, go ahead and try it. Um, unfortunately he didn't see that on the back side, there were guys that weren't, you know, you know, dropping off and, and getting ready to block and set up a return. Um, and he just ran right into those guys and that was awful. And but that, that was that. So okay. So let's wind this thing up. I want you and something we kind of do every week um is give me like three or four players you want to talk about out of this game that you were really impressed with that kind of made an impact um impact on you. Well, I think um you know, Ken Walker looked comfortable as the lead back. You know, we, we've kind of seen him struggle a little bit this season you know just looks antsy and that kind of stuff and it's clear that him getting four carries in a game just wasn't enough for him to get into any kind of rhythm with the offensive line and that kind of stuff and as soon as he gets more he he just looks super comfortable and i i'd love to see that because the guy has so much talent and uh, i think we're going to see a lot of great things from him i heard Um, somebody compared him to uh, gail sayers 
as far as his running style and his potential. I got to think about that. I'd have to go watch some film because I can't. I've I've seen some film before. So smooth as a runner. He was a glider, wasn't he? He, yes, but he wasn't. um, Had a little twitch to him. He had a lot of twitch to him, but it he never looked like he was twitchy. It looked like he was just running, and no one else could do anything about it um, because he looked so smooth. Like that's. Um, what I remember about Sayer, uh, Gail Sayers, but uh, honestly, I need to think about it. That that could, I mean, the way that he runs with speed and that, it, but not. It looks like, it does look effortless, but does. he also has this like jump thing going on where he just he he starts in one lane and and immediately he's in a completely other track, mm-hmm. um, and, and but also moving forward. You know, and so it's a, it, he's a remarkable guy with just the amazing feet. Um, and I'm just, I'm super excited to see the evolution of how this thing plays out. Who else? Um, how did you think Gino played in this game, Keith? I think he played all right. It was, this was clearly, I think one of, I think this might've been his, his other than the San Francisco game, this was more of a struggle for him. Uh, I mean, only 6.4 yards per attempt, which is not you know, that's not a good performance. Um, seven and a half is generally considered the bottom of where you want to be. Um, he didn't complete anything downfield. I think his longest was 22. Um, and so that, you know, he also didn't have any turnovers either, which was good. You're right. And that's part of what this team needed from him. Um, because they had a lead and they were running the ball. Okay. They needed to eat some clock. They needed to, you know, move the ball, convert some third downs. I think they didn't convert enough third downs. I think they were four of 14, um, which isn't good enough. And I'd like to see him um, get the ball out a little quicker on some of those because those sacks were bad. They really were. Um, but overall, I mean, it wasn't a terrible game. It, it wasn't, wasn't his it best was a game. game that felt completely in hand from, from the, the get-go. I mean, after the the initial drives by uh, the Cardinals, Seahawks mm-hmm. ended up holding them to, you know, a field goal, and then after that, it just seemed like we were in complete control. Arizona I mean, never looked like it never looked like they were going to score offensively. No. There they, wasn't a... they had they had to have that block, you know, that that fumble recovery in the end zone to even yeah. be close. I and mean, even then, it, were, it, it really wasn't. It never felt like Arizona was a threat to move the ball down the field and score. And um, the CX coaches saw the same thing and they played it super conservative on offense. So yeah. Yeah. Right. You know what? I mean, like I said, Gino didn't have his best game, but I didn't think he played poorly. It's funny after seeing a a team, you know, throw up 30 points uh, a few games in a row and then they, they do something like they did. um, It's an interesting thing to, to see. Um, what did you think of Noah Fant in oh, this game? I would say Noah Fant showed up in this game. Like he's been he is physically the most talented, I think, of the three tight ends, but he just hasn't been as involved in the passing game as I expected. And then he showed up in this one and led the team in receptions. Um and I think yeah, he moved the change a few times. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. I mean, he he looked good. This is more of what the Noah Fant that I was expecting to see all, the whole season. Not mm-hmm. that he's been bad. He just hasn't been as involved as I 
Um, yeah. I would think. You know, another yeah. player we need we need to discuss is Ryan Neal. Because Ryan Neal drew the task of covering Zach Ertz in this game. Yeah. And they basically matched him up on Zach Ertz every play and said, good luck. And, you know, for a guy who was the third string strong safety, um, he did pretty damn well. Third string that. strong safety is now playing 100% of the snaps on yeah. defense. Yep. They're just a better and defense when he's in there. He's, there. he's just got this the playmaking ability. You know, once in a while well, he's he can a, give up some things or miss a tackle, but he's a corner. I mean, the the team has converted him to a safety, then moved him back to right. corner, and then converted him to a safety again. And but he was a he was he's his natural position in terms of what he's played throughout college and whatnot has been corner. He is a guy that can cover, and he's not as great at tackling as you would hope for a safety but he's got a knack for what to do and how to cover uh guys like zach hurts and we'll see it um you know uh when they you know take on um the other teams in the division that have tight ends because all all three of them do and so it's a matter of george, see george kittle and all those yeah guys. um you're gonna see uh, him up against those guys and he can cover um, with the best of them. Now, is he physical enough? Um, maybe, maybe not, but honestly, good things happen when he's in there because he takes away one of the main weapons that an offense wants to use. So the other two players I thought I would tip my hat to on this game was uh, Uchenna Nuasu and Daryl Taylor. I thought they both played well off the edge in this game. So you change what you're doing and you allow um, Daryl Taylor to play like a defensive end where he's coming forward most of the time. Yeah. He's not, and he shows up in the stat line. And he <laughs> shows up. This was a guy that essentially had been benched. Um, yeah. And, you know, if Daryl Johnson hadn't gotten... Yeah. Uh, injured and, and and tossed on IR, um, we may not be seeing much of Daryl Taylor at all. And then they, they they switch up the scheme. He's one of the big beneficiaries of that. Um, suddenly, his everything that he instinctively wants to do is the right thing to do, and he can just go play. And it showed up big time. This is the Daryl Taylor we thought we were going to get all year. And yeah. if they stay in this alignment in, in this. Um, variation of the scheme it's possible daryl taylor could have a big year from here on still out. yeah and you know who else and now that you've said that i think we really do need to talk about puna ford a little bit because oh, puna ford really was the player that that made all of that possible he they did and one of the things that they did was they shifted him out of the nose tackle and moved him um and let him play some three and some five um and yeah. and let him attack um, and they, you know, put Al Woods more in, in his, his at the nose. Um, you also saw that notice that Al Woods showed up a lot less in this game than um, he has in the previous ones. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that he was one of those guys that did well as a two gap player. I mean, that's why he kept showing yes. up game in and game out is because he really that that system, that scheme really worked for him. And now he's being asked to do something else. Um which we've seen in past years, we know he can do too. Um, 
It's just now he's got the guys around him that are going to be more explosive. They're going to get up up the field more. They're going to be more um, involved. It does seem like this thing might be scheme specific, like to who they're facing. And so we may, I mean, you, we had talked about the defense being in multiple formations Mm -hmm. um, and multiple fronts um, this year. And really they've, they've really tried to, to get this three, four thing going. And now we're seeing multiple. And I think, you know, going forward, Al Woods is still going to have his opportunities. I think they'll just come in different spots. All right. I think that's, that's a wrap for this. Um, Seahawks win 19 to nine. Uh, It's a great game. Um, We're going to talk about uh, expectations in our next show in our midweek show, um, how they may have shifted from, you know, where we evolved at the beginning of the year in our prediction show to where they might be sitting at, at this point. And then later in the week, as we get ready for the Charger game, we'll have our preview show up. So hope you join us for that. You can find Keith on Twitter, at Myers NFL. You can find me at NWC Hawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook. And you know where to find all your, uh, your favorite podcast platforms. So look for us on there and subscribe. And YouTube, we've got our own YouTube channel as well. Just look up Seahawks Playbook Podcast and make sure you hit the subscribe button on that as well. So until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network.